And good morning. It is, it is September 11th, and uh, we want to remember what happened on September 11th and, and uh, think about that and pray for those survivors, families. And um, I was interested as I was looking uh, in my computer this morning very quickly that you know, when you go to Google and you open up and Google pops up there, they always have something, you know? There's always something they're celebrating and whatnot. And I was interested that they didn't say anything about 9-11. That, 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 I guess, shouldn't surprise me. But uh, as momentous as this occasion is in the history of our country, you would have think there would have been something there on the Google page that uh, kind of lent itself to that. But uh, I don't understand that all totally, except for maybe politics. But, <laughs> but certainly all people should be remembering these who gave their lives and, uh, and the first uh, responders who ran into that moment. We have a short video we'd like to show that uh, commemorates that, and then we're gonna have a short period of, of silence. So if you would, please. When it first happened, the minutes felt like hours. The hours felt like days. And the horror of what happened, one detail after another, could hardly be processed much less understood. Then days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into years. Memorials were built, wars were fought, victims' names were read, survivors tried to pick up the pieces over and over again. But no matter how much time has passed, we vow to hold these memories we will never forget those who were taken from us. The world changes and shifts this way and that, but one thing stays constant. One thing is steady. God. God weeps with us. God mourns with us. God bottles up our tears and records them in his book. He is closer to you than your own breath and remains the cornerstone of life. God is the solid ground holding us up as the world moves beneath us. It's as true today as it was on that day. Our God reigns. He reigns over principalities and powers. His dominion stretches beyond what our eyes can see. And when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, our God reigns. We will always remember. Let's just take a moment of silent prayer. Remember these. Father, we recognize that things changed that day in the hearts and minds. Families have been torn apart. 
Husbands lost, wives lost. Radical change. Governments changed. And we will remember. We're so thankful for the freedoms that we have here. So grateful for one nation under God. For the blessings we experience for the many, many, many um, and abundant uh, things that we have that surround us. We are a rich people. We are a blessed people. Help us, our Father, to be a thankful people. Thankful for what we have, thankful for what we will have. Thankful for the freedom to worship, to love you freely, to have the scriptures in our hands, to open those scriptures and be diligent about saying, Lord, we love you. Thank you for placing us here in this country. Thank you for loving us. Thankful for giving us the things that you've given us. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our children, for our husbands and our wives, for our extended families. All these precious, precious gifts that, that we, we We have each day in our lives. So we're thankful for those first responders and, and how it affected them as well. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those who are in authority over us that the decisions they make will be decisions that will bless for years to come and strengthen us for all the things that are yet to come. And most of all, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you transcend history that you're above and beyond this world, that you're a God who doesn't blink, that you know tomorrow and all the tomorrows, and you give us those as your children. So we're thankful for that, Father. We pray that you would help us in this day of remembrance today to think on these things and be thankful for what has been given, but most of all, thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ that we've sung about and we're thankful indeed that you are a good, good father. And we count on that. And we have seen it and we've experienced it. And we rejoice in it. So we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you continue to watch over this family here, this congregation. Strengthen us for all that you have for us in the days to come. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Turn to, turn to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to uh, do a little different today because I feel like it. See, that's the thing about being pastor. I can do what I want. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Matthew chapter 16. What was that, Dan? Yeah, yeah. The ball's in my court right now. So uh, um, speak up and be quiet. And I'm going to kind of relate a little bit of my life a little bit here. And so it's a little different than what I normally do. And uh, so you bear with me a little bit. It's uh, beginning with chapter 16 and verse 13. And um, you'll, you'll recognize this passage right away. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Lord, add his blessing in the scriptures. Be seated. So you need to remember some people. We need to remember Nordy's family and pray for them, for that that's coming. Joyce Mellon passed away. We need to remember her. They haven't really decided on when that's going to be yet. Uh, they, they want to do a you know, memorial for her. And, uh, and there's others in our family that are going through some difficult uh, times. And Christina uh, uh, Johnson with her little Zephyrus is having some difficulties. And just people we need to be aware of that we're, we're praying for and, and lifting before the Lord. So continue to do that. This, uh, this passage of scripture, school started this past week, right? You guys are back in school, a lot of you, you're enjoying, just love it, don't you? Yeah, yeah this is my school, Emerson School. Yes, what? That, that, that building that's in Berwyn, Illinois, outside Chicago, I grew up and that was the school we went to. It was all wood floors, creaky, creaky, creaky. And uh, that was torn down while I was there and they put up a new school. But that was the old school and I was in that old school for a while and this is my classroom. This is uh, my class, uh, John Westerfeld sitting right there in the front. Can you see me there? Do you know, can you recognize me? Too far? Yeah, you got me? You got me there? All right, show them where I'm sitting. There I am back in the corner over there with the big ears. See the ears sticking out? I'm back there with the big ears. And uh, that was my classroom. And it's, it's easy for adults to forget how tough it is to begin school, especially in first grade, where you're going for, the, you've been to kindergarten, but you're going to first grade, things change a little bit. And uh, as a first grader, it's tough. It's tough. This is the first chance if they're not involved. A lot of children are involved in church and other things. Uh, but uh, first ch uh, chance at socialization and, and talking to other kids and doing things. Some children outside of their com comfortable families that they have. Think about how a little one feels when suddenly there are strangers all about and people that they don't know and you're supposed to get along with them and be with them. And it's the first time a child hears the voice of authority, sometimes beyond their moms and dads. So there's a voice of authority that's different. It's the first time that they get graded when they get like in first grade. I think they still grade. Do they grade in first grade? I think they do. Parents don't grade, right? You don't grade at home? And now suddenly they're under new management. Things are changing in their lives. There's the pressure of being graded. That's a new experience for them. Plus, there's a lot of competition in, not just in sports, not just on the playground, but in the classroom and for the teacher's attention, perhaps. School's very competitive, and the little ones feel that. And uh, it was not long ago, it's hard for me to think back about all that, but in some ways, uh, I was extremely competitive in school and in other ways, 
not on the playground. I was really competitive. In sports, I was really competitive. In the classroom, not so much. Not, not so much. I didn't fight with anyone. I didn't, I didn't really want the teacher's attention. Some people just love to have the teacher's attention. In fact, I, I didn't understand why anyone wanted the teacher's attention. Why would you want to draw attention? To you? you know, I, I never, I didn't get that much. But some clearly people in my classroom wanted it. The pencil sharpener was up by the teacher's desk, and they would say, can I come and sharpen my, t- my, my pencil? And uh, some of them chewed on their pencils a little bit so they could go twice or do something. I mean, why would they do that and want to do that, to go up to be by the teacher? Can I go to the bathroom? Can I go to the bathroom? I got to go to the bathroom. And they got all these things. I never sharpened my pencil, and I never went to the bathroom. (laughs) I didn't want to know. I didn't want to go by the teacher's desk. And it's, you know, this whole thing of pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. I know the answer. Pick. I never did that. Don't pick me. Leave me alone. I like to sit in the back. I'm almost in the back. The teacher's desk is in the front. I'm almost in the back of the room there. And, uh, but here's the ideal seat. Go ahead to the next, next slide there. Right there. Right in the back of the room. That's the furthest place away from the teacher's desk. That person's name is Lorna Davis. I didn't like Lorna Davis. Lorna Davis was a teacher's pet. And I had no idea why she was in the back of the room. It, it just was a enigma. She ended up teaching at Arizona State University, a professor in some kind of whatever, you know how they are. <laughs> very smart, very smart person. And so there's, there's Lorna back there. I saw Lorna about five years ago over in Chicago. I was visiting with, with some people. Lorna was there. Just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. I had a, a, a lot of perfect days. A perfect day to me is I'm in the back of the room. Uh, I, I didn't make a lot of noise. I didn't make a lot of trouble because I didn't want to draw attention to myself. And if you're quiet, teachers tend to have a tendency to write like under deportment, your, your card, deportment. Good child. Good child. I got a lot of good child. He's a good, he's a good boy. Tom's a good boy. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> Most everything else, you know what it is, needs improvement. <laughs> needs improvement. Well, that was, that was uh, so, 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 so you're not called on for stuff. That was a good day for me. I'm not called on. I didn't hear my name. I celebrated that. It was a good day, and I'm happy, and I'm going home. However, about the fifth grade in, the, in Mrs. Hillary's class, they introduced something that I didn't like at all. It was called recitation. Recitation, an evil word. It's an evil word. That's where you get up in front of the class and you got to talk. You got to you got to say something or whatever. And sometimes you're you're there by yourself. Sometimes five or six together, and they ask you questions. And you had to stand there, and the teacher would ask questions like, "What's seven times seven? You know, you know how it is. They did all that. And what's the capital of Idaho? And I never really understood why she wanted to know the capital of Idaho. She was in college. She could look it up. Look it up. But she kept on asking these questions about things. And up through the seventh grade, Mr. Hall's class, he always was shining. He had a bald head. He was always shining his head. That's all I remember about Mr. Hall. Except uh, we had to recite poetry, too. Did you have to do that? You recited poetry. We had to learn different things. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I don't think they can say that anymore. 
but I, that we did, we, we did that. Do you remember the poetry? You, were, you did these things. Listen, my children, and you shall hear the midnight ride of Paul Revere on the 18th of April in 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that day or year. You remember those things that you had to memorize and whatnot? Whenever the moon and the stars are set, whenever the wind is high, all night long in the dark and the wet, a man goes riding by. So we learned those things, and I did okay. I did okay in school, but I didn't like standing in front of people talking out loud. It was painful. It was painful. Now, tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. I spent my life in front of people, talking to people, in front of people. And, I, and another thing, I said to my dad, I will never be a minister. Never. I said, write it down. I will never be a minister. <laughs> I can remember the Sunday I went forward and he just looked at me and says, I knew. I said, uh, <laughs> I knew. And, uh, but, you know, um, but school wasn't uh, as painful as church sometimes. I like church. I like being here. I said to someone this morning, you know, with everything that's going on in my life right now, when I come to church, I feel okay. When I'm here with you guys, I feel okay. It's good. It's good. This is family. This is, this is hearts and minds, you know. But we had to learn in, in school. You learn stuff. It's, it's all facts. You know, it's facts like Abraham Lincoln. You learn that. We had to state the, the, the Gettysburg Address, you know, four score, seven years ago. We had to memorize those things. We had to write on the Civil War. We had a whole thing we had to do on that, I remember. You know, just really facts about stuff. And so you could do this. But church, church, Caesarea Philippi is where we find ourselves in Scripture. It had a grotto. A grotto was a small cave that was used for religious purposes. And they had, the, they had these around in the mountainside there. And it was a peaceful place. And this one here in Caesarea Philippi was at the foot of Mount Hermon with its three peaks and snow-capped mountains. There, it was 9,000 feet in the sky. And the snow would melt and it would mix with the rain and it would come down and, and the river would go into the Sea of Galilee. It was also a frightening place. You know, I don't understand why Jesus would take his people here and why they, were, why they were here in Caesarea Philippi, but he did. But it was a godless place. It was a, it was a playground for the wealthy who had summer homes there, and so they would all go there. And it was a violent place. There was lots that was going on here. And like I say, don't ask me why Jesus took his disciples there, but I know they didn't. Maybe it was because of privacy and being here in this place where he could be with his disciples and while they were there, Jesus asked him for a report, a report. And he says, you know, he says, you fellows have been milling around uh, with the people, and who, who do they say that I am? Who do they say that I am? W what are you picking up? What, what's, what's the word out there? What do, what do, you, hear in the, what do you hear in the streets? And, uh, and this is easy. And the disciples think, well, some say John the Baptist, he's come back from the dead. And the others say, yeah, yeah, I heard that too. I heard that. I heard that. That's what they're saying. They're saying that. Then, then someone says, well, I heard Jeremiah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that too, Jeremiah. And someone says, well, Elijah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty common. They're all thinking about Elijah. So they're thinking about these things. But then Jesus looks at them and he says, and you, 
What do you think? Who do you say that I am? That's the thing about church. That's the thing about faith. You can't just report on what everyone else is doing and everyone else is saying. You have to say something for yourself. You have to say something for yourself. So, Gary, you have to say something. That's not making it for me, Gary. You know, you have to say something. There's a commitment that's to be made. And Jesus is making a, them make a commitment here. Who do you say that I am? And I can go to every person in this room and say, who do you say that he is? Lord. You know, he's the Lord. Sean, you're in the praise team up here leading us. You know, who do you say he is? I mean, it's important. Who do you say he is? You know, Tom, who do you say he is? You know, Emily? Yeah. Adam, who do you say he is? And Jesus just kind of turns, turns them upside down and he looks at us. Well, what about you? Who do you say that I, I am? You have to say something about yourself with the Lord, you know? And sometimes it's really hard. I remember there came a time in my life I started listening to my dad preach. And uh, I didn't always listen. I was too little. I was kind of just sleeping on my mother's lap a lot. And then I, there, there came a time when I started listening. And I believed what he preached. I believed what he had to say. I was listening. And there was a time I stopped passing notes, you know, and goofing around. This is the, my dad's church in Chicago, the, the front part of it anyway. There was, it's, it's all different now. They used to have doors on the, on the right side there that opened up for overflow. And that's all patched up and all walls now. But there used to be people, I used to like to sit over there because, they, you know, you can, you can get out of my dad's sight, you know, pretty much. But, um, but I, you know, when I went to church, I, if I didn't have little snakes in my pocket, I'd have some marbles. You know, cat's eyes? Cat's eye marbles? Love cats. I had cat's eye marbles. And that, that, the, the, the church there was not like here where it's just flat. It, it, had, it had a slope to it. And I could roll the marbles down in the middle of the service. And it was like pinball. It hits people's legs and goes all the way down in front of me. So I like to sit more toward the back for that privilege I had. But there was a time when I quit fumbling around and I quit uh, fidgeting around and quit popping my gum and doodling around in church. And I was about 13, 14, and I got to be concerned about things of Scripture, things of the Bible. And I wanted to be baptized, but, uh, you know, my dad said, well, you've got to come up in front and... and, and uh, you, and I thought, okay, you know, what's the, what do I got to report? You know, what, what's the report? What do, I, what do I got to do? What's the report? But this wasn't a report. This was personal. This was personal. And it was a confession of faith that I had to give. And that Sunday, all my buddies were there. I had about eight of them or so, and they all showed up. And I looked at them, and I, and I looked at the aisle, and it all of a sudden looked to be like two miles long. And, uh, and I said to myself, I'm never going to get down this aisle. I'm not going to be able to do this. And sure enough, I didn't go down that Sunday. And my mother said, I thought you were. And I said, well, you know, uh, uh, I'm just going to go talk to Dad about it. I'm just going to go talk to Dad about it, tell him my confession. And no, 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 no. She says, you've got you to gotta, you gotta confess before others. Jesus tells us that, and it's got to be public. 
and, uh, and then he'll confess us before the Father, and that's what Jesus said. And I said, well, Mom, you always said that silence is good. You're always telling us to be quiet. <laughs> so I shifted into the old silence thing, you know, silence is golden. That's, she said that all the time to us. And uh, so uh, my friends say, well, you're going to say anything. Are you going to do anything? And I said, well, yeah, 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 I will. But we have one mouth and two ears, and uh, we're supposed to listen twice. And they say, oh, stop it. Just stop it. And I go back and forth, back and forth, you know, because I was nervous about doing that and doing that. Shakespeare made the comment. He said this, in this harsh world, draw your breath in pain and tell your story. Tell your story. School was nothing compared to church for me. I love church. Uh, so when Jesus turned to them and he said here, now, what do you hear about me in the streets? That was easy. That was a report. That was a report. But when he said, now, how about you? That's personal. That's deep. I still think about those things that I said in public. I think about a lot of things that I said in public. And uh, things that we say in public are really very important. Once I stood in front of a bunch of boys and men and I said, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country. And I joined the Boy Scouts. I remember those words. I remember saying them. Some of you in court have, uh, have a person come up to you and you put your left hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand. You say, do you solemnly swear that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you, God. And you said, yes. You remember that when you said, that's a report. It's a report. Lots of times I've said and stood with others and said, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And um, I've said that with and in front of people. And I remember one day, the most frightened I've ever been in my life, when the minister was standing in front of me and said, now will you have this woman? Yeah, to be your wedded wife. And I found the words. Yep, I will. I do. I do. But I spent a lot of time thinking about these things, these words, the things that you say. Do you think about things you say afterwards, the, the commitments and the things that you do and say? There's something about making a statement in public that makes it kind of a commitment. You're saying it out loud, you know. And I said these things in front of other people. But none of those things I have said in public, none of them is as important as this statement. The statement that we as a family of faith have made together. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. The son of the living God. The son of the living God. Messiah, the Son of God. I didn't know back then when I was 13, 14 years old, I didn't know the, the, the full meaning of all of those words and what they meant. You, you, you don't know it all. You don't know it all. But I do know, and I did know, that they mean this. I believe Jesus of Nazareth is the one that God sent. God sent him into this world. I believe that Jesus has come for us and for our salvation. I did know that. That it was for me that he came. And I believe Jesus is the expression of God's love. I knew that. I knew that. 
And I believe that. I believe that then. I believe that now. Has not changed. Son of the living God. Yep. I believe that. I don't know all the mechanics about divinity. I mean, you all think preachers do, but we don't. You know, and people like to uh, talk about it, and I discover they don't know much about it either. You know, this, 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 this mystery of the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ and the, you know, that union. Um, but I do know this. I believe Jesus is the expression of who God is. He is the expression of who God is. And that this book is a revelation of that expression. This tells me who God is and who Jesus is. And I believe that with all of my heart. You know, Doreen wore a shirt on Wednesday night that just says, Jesus is everything. I said, I like it. Because it's true. And it will be true when time is over. Jesus is everything. If you want to know what God is like, Jesus is what God is like. Jesus is what God is like. He is the revelation of God's nature, who, who, who God is. You see, it's not enough to say, I believe in God. I believe in God. Um, a lot of people say they believe in God, right? What? A lot of people say, right? yeah, I, yeah I, I, I believe in God. Uh, what God? What God? People kill in the name of God. People are prejudiced in the name of God. What God? What God? You know, what kind of God do you believe in? This kind. This kind. It, it puts flesh on who God is for our lives. I believe in a God who is represented in Jesus Christ. Not just some vague feeling down in the, crawls around in my heart a little bit and what it makes me kind of goofy and warm and fuzzy and funny. No, 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 no. And I, and I said, well, I must have faith. No, no, no. And God is not just some kind of experience you have. Like, now people use this a lot to say, well, you know, I just go out, I go out and sit by the trees. I go out and sit in nature. And that's, you know, what, so What? sit by a tree. I sit by trees all the time. You know, I love it up north. I like, you know, you like outdoors, Dan. You go up and you're outside. You love to be outside and whatnot. You're out there. You, and I love this country. I like to be in the mountains. I like to be in the, I, wherever. I just like being outside. And I love the streams, the birds, the flowers, all that stuff, the lakes, the trees, the, the birds gathering in the backyard in the morning when I look out and they're out in the backyard and you know what the blackbirds do when, they, when it uh, turns cold outside? They, you ever watch them? They all come in about 9,000 of them in your backyard or whatever, in a big bunch, and, uh, and they get together, and uh, I know what they do. They, I, I heard them. Uh, they said, uh, what, they're talking to each other, saying, well, when do you think we ought to go south? I heard them. And then uh, one to say, well, you know, it's still just end of August here. We're, we're not leaving. You doubt me, don't you? <laughs> the other day, the geese flew over, and, and I overheard them. They were discussing who was going to be the leader to fly south because this one guy didn't want to do it. And he says, well, I don't want to do it. He says, I'll do it later when we get down around Tennessee. I'll, I'll go ahead and help down there. 
Uh, I enjoyed listening to the birds. <laughs> now you're thinking about a new pastor, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I enjoy that. I enjoy nature as much as the rest of, of people. I, the robin, the trout, I got a turtle that goes across my front yard every spring. I don't know where he's going, I don't know what he's doing, but he always goes across my front yard. And uh, flowering uh, apple tree I got in the back, the plum tree I have in the front yard. But you know what? You could put that 5,000 uh, flowering plums in your yard, have the birds fly over your house day after day after day, have a rooster crow every morning for you if you want. Be surrounded with irises and sunflowers and azaleas and spend your life in marvelous splendor of all that nature and still not know exactly who God is. Still not know who God is. It's not nature. It's not nature. What is God like? What is God like? The answer is Jesus. It's just Jesus. Do you remember the time when there was a crowd that was gathered to hear Jesus and they were a long way from home and they were hungry and Jesus fed them? God's like that. God's like that. Do you remember when he took the little children on his lap and he blessed them and he talked to them and he talked to their parents? God's like that. Do you remember when the leper came and Jesus said, please help me? Please help me. And he made him clean and he healed him and he hugged him. God's like that. I don't want you to think that to be a Christian you have to believe in God and then you have to add Jesus. You don't add anything. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ who tells us who God is. And this is the kind of God in whom we believe. We believe in Jesus. Do you remember that time when Jesus was with his disciples and they were arguing about who was best in the kingdom of God? Who's the greatest? Who's the best? And, they, and Jesus took a towel. I mean, can you imagine this scene? Them spitting and blah, 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 who's the greatest and whatnot. And Jesus just looks at him and he picks up a towel and a, and a basin of water and he washes their feet. Remember that? My God. That's what God's like. Jesus is showing us what God's like. Do you remember when he took his cross? Put it on his shoulder and he started up that hill called Golgotha. That's what God's like. That's what God is like. People who join this church are not asked a lot of questions. We don't ask about gender. We don't ask about race, about the background, you know, uh, bank accounts, <laughs> the family connections, who you are, whatnot. We don't ask any of that, but we insist on one thing as a believing community of Christ, do you believe in God who is revealed in Jesus Christ? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for your sins? Everyone who belongs to this church in one way or another has said yes to that question. Some have done it at other churches at other times, and we welcome them into our fellowship. And... Uh, it, it's, it's a commitment that we make. It's something we said that's important. It's not a report. It's a confession of faith. It's a commitment that we make. And then I want to close with it. Here's the, here's the perplexing thing. You remember uh, uh, the, uh, the title of my sermon, Speak Up and Be Quiet. This is amazing to me, what happens here. Uh, 
it's very perplexing, actually, to me, and I don't understand it all, and, I, and I'll say that up front. After the great confession of Peter, and, he, and it is a great confession, Jesus said to the disciples, now, I don't want you, I don't want you going around telling everybody this stuff. Surprise. Surprise. What? 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 That was a surprise. I, I thought he would say, now, now I want you to go tell people. Go tell everybody this. But he said, no, 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 don't tell anybody I'm Messiah. Don't, don't do that. Why? I don't know why. You know, there, there's a lot of things preachers don't know. Uh, there's a lot of things we don't know. Sometimes you can have uh, uh, insight into truth. God reveals something to you, but you, you, you don't really get it yet. That's where I was at 14 when I made that confession. I, I, I understood it as best I could, but I really didn't get it yet. But I got it enough. But I didn't realize it in totality. I didn't realize the scope of it, the breadth of it, the depth of it. I didn't get it back then. And it took me years, finally, before God began to impress those things upon my heart and upon my brain. And there's, you have to realize that some are not ready to hear. Some people are not there's a readiness. There's some are not ready to hear, and they're chasing after other things, or they're not paying attention to the things of God in their life, or they're, they're just not ready, and you've got to be patient. Take your time. There's a lot in the Bible I don't understand. And this is, this is you know, people say, well, is that? No, this is hard, sometimes hard to understand. A lot of people say things about God and all. And I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that people say about God. I know what I think about God. I know what I think about Jesus. I know what I believe. I believe that Jesus is God's Messiah. I believe he's the Son of God. He's the Son of God. And I think today, in this generation, is a very good time to say it. It's a very good time to say it to your friends, to your family, to your children. And live it. Live it. Live it out loud to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for Jesus. What a blessing to our lives. And, and there, are, there are people who've walked with you here today for years. And their love has grown deeper and stronger and has been a blessing to this congregation. And we're so thankful for those years of, 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 of loving you that are expressed in their demeanor, expressed in their faithfulness to you, expressed in their, 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 their oneness with this family of God here in this place. But we, we too who came into this fellowship have made a commitment, have said words. We pray, Father, that we think about the words that we said. I believe that Jesus is Messiah, the Son of the living God. I believe that. Give us the strength to live it. To live it before the world. In this, in this time, we're Many are deserting the faith. 
There's trouble throughout the world. And we need to be faithful people to the commitments we've made to you. So we pray for that. Again, we think of those in 9-11 and, and, uh, and, and the hurt that's there that still lingers today. We pray, Lord, that you would be with those people. Bless them. Strengthen them as only you can. Be with the families that gather around them. We're thankful for this time that we shared this morning. We're thankful for those who came into the fellowship, for those who have been baptized. It all, all means something to us. And we pray that we're a blessing to them as they have been to us. So we commit that to you, our Father, and we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.